to raise your hand this morning if you have been taught swallowed gum takes seven years to digest. Taught that as a kid? Yeah. Terrible, terrible thought. Much fear, much fear in my life. Or how about this, that, that flushed water rotates in a different direction in the southern hemisphere than it does in the northern hemisphere. Northern hemisphere. Ever been taught that? Yeah. Or, or this, don't eat and swim. Right? Now, why can't you eat and swim? If cramps and you'll drown, right? you'll die. As a kid going to the lake on the 4th of July, we wouldn't eat because we'd have to stay out of the water. So we're afraid we'd die in the lake and the water would take us away. And, of course, you know what happens when you die in a lake? You come back in some sort of horror movie type corpse killer thing. So we were terrified of that all of our lives. Or you shouldn't wake up sleepwalkers. You ever taught that? That's bad. You wake them up, it's dangerous, can hurt them. That bulls hate the color red. Again, if you're raised in the country with a bull in a pasture across from your house and you like to wear the color red, that was a, a stressful, stressful thing to be taught. Now, all of these have one important thing in common. They're all myths. Now, most likely we were all taught various myths as children. And as we grew up, we learned other myths. Most myths are harmless. But some can make us miserable by stealing our joy and peace, bringing guilt and shame, causing worry and stress, making us discouraged or depressed, or just generally by leading us astray. So today we're starting a series of messages called Myths That Make Us Miserable and the Truth That Sets Us Free. And each week in this series, we are going to discuss a commonly believed idea to see if it's true or a myth. If it's a myth, we'll see how the myth makes us miserable, and then we'll explore the truth that would set us free. The myth that we're going to explore today is that God never gives us more than we can handle. Second one is that God owes me. The third one is that suffering is, is never God's will. And the fourth one, the final one, is that good people go to heaven. Psychologist Dr. Chris Thurman has said, Truth is the roadmap for negotiating the difficult challenges of life. Without it, we get lost and we develop emotional problems that tell us we are lost. We often settle for half-truth or no truth at all because they're usually easier. But truth is the only road to emotional help. There is no other path. Now, the good news is that truth is available to anyone who wants it. Which also means that emotional help is possible for anyone. The real question is, am I willing to pay the price? The price to be paid is the willingness to let go of the myth that's making us miserable. So that we can embrace the truth that will set us free. And the price may seem steep depending on how ingrained the myth is in our culture. But Jesus informs us that the payoff is worth it. That we can know the truth, and the truth will set us free. The goal of this series is to help you to replace these myths that have made you miserable with the truth that will indeed set you free. So we start today with our first myth to examine. God never gives me more than I can handle. How many of you have heard this myth before? been taught that this is a truth. Is it a myth or is it true? 
Let's examine a story from Scripture. Open your Bible to the book of Job. Chapter 1. It's page 390 if you have a pew Bible. Job chapter 1. Job, when you talk about being given more than you can handle or any sort of hardship, Job is sort of the guy you, you have to discuss. Now, as we look at Job, verse 1 is critical. There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. The man was blameless and upright, who feared God and shunned evil. In verse 8, God says the same thing about Job. Job's character is significant as we begin to discuss what is about to happen to him. Job is not a bad guy. Job is a good guy. He loves God. He's devoted to God. He's doing all that he can to serve God. Job also has a large family and he has a lot of wealth. Job is rich. He's influential. He has a large family that he loves. In verse 5 it tells us that Job would make offerings for his children as they met together often. And what this seems to be is Job's way of praying for them. He wanted to be sure that they were living for the Lord. They were doing God's will, so he interceded to them. Job is a good guy who loves his wife, he loves his family, he loves his God. And yet he has a bad day. Look at verse 13. It says, Now there was a day when the sons and the daughters, when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking, one in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabaeans raided them and took them away and indeed have killed the servants, the edge of the sword, I alone escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them and I alone escaped to tell you. While he also was still speaking, another came and said, The Chaldeans have formed three bands and raided the camels and took them away, yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone escaped to tell you. He was still speaking. Another came and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house. And suddenly, wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell on the young people and they are dead. I alone escaped to tell you. In one moment, Job is rich with a large family. In the very next moment, messengers come and tell him one by one that he has lost everything that he has. He has lost his flocks. He has lost his herds. He has even lost his children. And the way it reads, while one was talking, another came. There was, there was not even a second for Job to be able to react and to deal with whatever was coming. He heard one and then another and then another and then another. That's a terrible, terrible situation. But that's not the end of the trials and the tribulations of Job. On another day, in what doesn't seem to be a a lot different, a lot longer time, just maybe a matter of days. Chapter 2 and verse 7 says, So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and, and struck Job with painful boils. From the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took for himself a potsherd with which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of ashes. 
So one day, Job is healthy and wealthy, a large family, everything going his way. And then on another day, he loses his wealth and his family. But as they say, at least you've got your health. And even that didn't last for much longer. For a few days later, he had runny, painful, from what we understand, disease-like sores from the top of his head, sole of his feet. That's a bad day. But those are, those are terrible, terrible days to come upon one man. Let me ask you, was Job able to handle that? I mean, if God never gives us more than we can handle, then, then was Job able to deal with all that came upon his life at this time? Let me ask it another way. Could you have handled it? Could you have dealt with all of these things to come upon you all at the same time? Do you know of, of anyone that could have dealt with it, could have just handled it because... God won't give them more than they can handle. I don't. I don't think Job could handle it. I don't think I could handle it. And I don't think you could handle it. I think in, in, in practice, God never gives me more than I can handle doesn't stand up to scrutiny of life. Because Job's example is one from Scripture, but, but we all know people that have had horrific things happen. But did God allow them to have more than they could bear? Practically, it seems that it's possible. But you say, I know Scripture says God will never give me more than I can bear. So, so we must be able to. But does Scripture actually say that? Does the Bible actually say God will never give us more than we can bear. There is a verse from the book of Corinthians that that idea comes from. And here's what it actually says. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will now not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with that temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, this passage, this verse is all about temptations to sin. And it's not at all about hardships or trials that come into our life. The reality is, the Bible never says anywhere that God will never give us more than what we can handle when it comes to hardships and trials and the circumstances of life. Now, in temptations to sin, we're never forced. We're never beyond our ability to choose to do what's right. But there is no such promise pertaining to hardships and trials and the circumstances that come into our lives. So the question becomes, it, doesn't, it does seem that this is a, a myth. It does seem that this is not something that the Bible teaches. So, so how does this myth make us miserable? Well, the myth makes us miserable because we live in a world where bad things happen. And at times, we will be the recipients of these bad things. 
And the bad things that we face, they will vary in intensity. From the mildly irritating to the utterly devastating. And some of those we are going to be able to deal with. We can handle it on our own. But there are going to be some that we can't. There are going to be some situations that devastate and overwhelm us. The sudden and tragic loss of a loved one. A diagnosis suddenly went bad. The loss, the job, financial ruin. A child who's erring and going astray. Other people making bad decisions that negatively affect our lives. There are any number of circumstances that can come into our lives that will devastate and overwhelm us. And what do we think if we believe that God never gives me more than I can handle? We begin to doubt everything. Because sometimes I've heard the myth explained this way. Have you heard this? God never gives me more than I can handle. Sometimes I wish God didn't trust me as much as he does. You ever heard that? So here you are. You're devastated. You're overwhelmed. You know you can't handle it. And now on top of that, you're failing God. God believes in you. God thinks you can deal. God thinks you're strong enough to handle it, but you know you can't. So not only are you devastated and overwhelmed, you feel like a spiritual failure. God, I'm failing you. I can't do what you think I can. And this adds misery upon misery upon misery in our lives. And as long as we believe this myth, it will continue to make us miserable. So how do we deal with the myth? We learn the truth that sets us free. Here's the truth that sets us free. God allows me to be overwhelmed to remind me of my desperate need for Jesus. God allows me to be overwhelmed to remind me of my desperate need for Jesus. The reality is we cannot handle all of the devastating and overwhelming consequences that come into our lives. But we're not actually supposed to. We are not actually supposed to live a self-sufficient I'm okay, I can do it kind of life. All of our lives are meant to be lived in dependence upon Jesus Christ, His strength, His grace, and His power. And if you're even remotely would say you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if I were to ask you and say, are you depending on Jesus? We know the right answer. Yes. I depend on Him for everything. But is that true? I mean, isn't it easy during the good times of life to become very self-sufficient? I mean, Jesus taught us that we're to pray to, for Him to give us our daily bread, to give us our daily provision. How many of us pray that because if God doesn't do something, we won't eat? Not us. 
God hasn't. I mean, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Right? I, don't, I don't think about the need for God's daily provision. When all is well and our lives are fine, we feel as though we can do it. We feel as though we can handle it. The problem with feelings of self-sufficiency is they push us away from Jesus. Because I don't pull near Him when I don't need Him. And if I don't feel and and recognize that I, I need Him in every area of my life all the time, then I'm not going to seek Him out. I'm not going to cultivate my relationship with Him. I begin to drift away. And so God, who cares more about my salvation and my character and my eternity than He does about my comfort, He will allow me to be overwhelmed, to remind me that I desperately need Jesus. And this is how God interacts really with all of His people. God allowing us to be overwhelmed to remind us of our need for Jesus, that's not God saying you're a failure. It's God saying, I love you. And I want better for you than a life of self-sufficiency. God deals this way with all of His servants. Look at what the Apostle Paul had to say. I love this verse. We don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, of the trouble which came to us in Asia. That we were, now notice his wording, burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Now, he was despairing of life. Who thinks that Paul was there thinking, God won't give me more than I can handle? Paul was overwhelmed. Whatever was going on, he was devastated. And the word pictures he uses illustrate this. The idea of burdened beyond measure, above strength. It pictures carrying a heavy weight. So imagine, you're trying to carry a weight that is unbelievably heavy. But it's so heavy you can't actually carry it. You you fall underneath its weight and it's pressing down upon you. And the more you struggle, the more pinned you become and you're not able to get out of it. And, and you're beginning to, to lose oxygen, right? As you, you can't, the weight is so heavy you can't breathe and, get, and expand enough to get enough air. And in that moment of horror, you realize this is where you die. This is how your life ends. That's where Paul was. That's what this verse was saying. Paul was overwhelmed. Paul was devastated. Paul guessed his life was over. That whatever was going on, this is the end for me. But he didn't die. He came in and out of the depths of despair. Why? We had a sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Can you imagine what it would be like to be the Apostle Paul, to have all of those revelations and God heal so many people through you? Wouldn't it be easy as Paul to be self-sufficient, to think that, that you can handle it? And yet he couldn't. Even the great Apostle Paul needed to be reminded of his desperate need for Jesus. And so God allowed him to be overwhelmed. Most of us 
We live under the illusion of self-sufficiency and strength. Again, we will at least nominally say we depend and we need Jesus. But not in a way that we truly believe we are depending upon Him for every breath. It's kind of like... When you were a kid and watching a horror movie, did you like look through, look at the movie like this? Right? That way you, you couldn't fully see what was happening, but you could kind of see what was going on. In our illusion of self-sufficiency, that's what we do. We can kind of see we need Jesus, but, but we don't fully see how desperately we need Him. We, we don't fully see that, we, that without Him we have no hope. That He is our everything. That our life and our breath and our everything is fully and completely and always dependent upon Him. And there is only one thing that removes the illusion of self-sufficiency. Being devastated and overwhelmed. It is only in that moment when our hands are taken away and we can fully see how desperately We need Jesus. And so God will allow us to be overwhelmed to remind us of our desperate need for Jesus. Now, how does this truth set us free? It sets us free because it allows us to admit we're devastated and overwhelmed. Because it's not we're not supposed to admit that, are we? I'm a man. I'm the pastor. I've been a believer for a number of years. No way I'm devastated and overwhelmed. No way I can, I can deal with it. It's, it's, when we believe the myth, it's shameful to admit that I can't do it. It's shameful to admit that I am devastated. I am overwhelmed. I don't have a clue what to do. But when the myth has been dispelled and I've embraced the truth, then I can freely, completely say, I am utterly And completely devastated by what's going on. I am so overwhelmed that I feel like I'm despairing even of life. And in that moment, when we hit that point, we find a grace and a power that is sufficient to help us. Paul was given a thorn in the flesh that hindered him. And three times he he prayed for the Lord to take it away. And in all instances, God, Jesus said to him, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. The power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Jesus said, you don't need me to take the thorn away. You need to understand the sufficiency of my grace, sufficiency of my power. Paul said, if that's the case, then I'm good. I'll, I'll, I'll glory in my weaknesses. But I can be strong. Now, there's some interesting thoughts in this. First, it sounds strange to say, for when I am weak, then I am strong, doesn't it? I mean, that's not a, it's not certainly our, our cultural idea of things. And, and how, how does weakness and infirmities 
allow the power of Christ to rest more fully upon me to to perfect it in us. The reality is Jesus is perfect in all things and we don't add or take away anything from him no matter what. But we don't experience his grace until we see our need. We don't experience his power until we see our weakness. As long as I am depending on me, I am not depending upon Jesus. Until I come to the end of Stacy and say, I need a strength that is beyond myself, I will never experience the power of Christ to enable me to go through whatever devastating and overwhelming circumstance I'm experiencing in my life. Many people are nearly ruined by believing the myth that God never gives them more than they can bear. Because they live their lives thinking they're good enough. They can do it. They can handle it. They can take care of it. God wouldn't allow this if they weren't strong enough and good enough and able enough to do it. So they never honestly come to the end of themselves. And they never fully get the power of Jesus at work in their lives. The Bible tells us that Jesus is pretty awesome. He says, have you not known? Have you not heard the everlasting God? The creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. To those who have no might, he increases strength. To the youths, or even the youth shall faint and be weary. Even the young men shall utterly fail. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This passage teaches us two critical truths that we we have to understand and embrace so that we can experience the truth that will set us free. Jesus has limitless strength. Jesus is never weak. He's never unable. There is no limit to his knowledge or his strength. He is able to do anything that needs to be done. And that's great. But the next point is perhaps greater. He strengthens the weak. It's one thing for Jesus to have all power and all might and all strength. But it's not overly helpful if he doesn't use that on our behalf. But Scripture promises that he does, that he will. But as we think about Jesus giving his strength, we we have to see who it is that he gives his strength to. For Scripture doesn't say that he strengthens the strong. And he helps the mighty. But he gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. You see, as long as I don't need Jesus, I won't experience Jesus. As long as I don't see my need, as long as I'm still strong, as long as I think I still have power, I miss all of this. I miss Him giving me strength in my time of weakness. I, I miss Him giving me grace in my time of need. The people that Jesus helps, the people that Jesus works in, the people that He empowers and strengthens are those who say, I am weak. I am powerless. I cannot do it on my own. 
And until I can humble myself and admit those things, I cut myself off from the power of God. I cut myself off from everything that God wants to do in me, through me, and for me. But when, when I admit it, when I come to that place and I say I am devastated, I, I am overwhelmed, then I experience His grace, His power, and His mercy to help me in my time of need. If you are going through a hard time right now and you feel overwhelmed and devastated, you probably feel beat down and exhausted as well. And if you have believed the myth that God never gives you more than you can bear, you probably feel even worse because you feel that you must be a spiritual failure. But hear me clearly this morning. Everyone is eventually overwhelmed by something. Everyone gets exhausted. Everyone comes to the place where at the end of their abilities, everyone, that is just a fact. You do not have enough strength to make it through all of the hard times that will come into your life. And when you get to the end of your strength, you have a choice to make. You can hold on to the myth of self-sufficiency. You can believe that you can do it. Or you can admit your need for Jesus' help and turn to Him for strength. Contrary to the myth, this is not failing. Instead, this is an act of faith that brings glory and honor to God. Will you hold on to a myth that makes you miserable? Will you let go of it to embrace a truth that will set you free? You cannot hold on to both. Only one of those will be true in your life today. Release the myth that's making you miserable. Embrace the truth. That will set you free. Let's stand as our musicians come this morning.